Welcome to the Kerwin Baptist Church broadcast today. Our desire is for the Word of God to be spread throughout the world so that all may know Christ. Join us now for a portion of one of our services here at Kerwin Baptist Church, located in Kernersville, North Carolina. Look at verse 1, if you will, of Hebrews chapter 12. Wherefore, now that word wherefore is kind of the same word as therefore. It's just a different first letter. But they both mean the same thing. Wherefore, therefore means this. Whenever you see that in the Bible, stop and look at what you just read. Because what you just read before this verse ties into what we're getting ready to read. Now, what is chapter 11 in Hebrews? Chapter 11 is what we call the Hall of Faith. It gives a lot of individuals, and, and, and literally, God here gives examples of people in the past that endured great things and finished their race that God had laid out for them in their life. So he gives all these individuals, he mentions some of the things that they all went through and how it took faith and it took endurance and it took patience and all these things. So then he comes to chapter 12. In other words, why did I tell you about all these people? Verse 1, here's why. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now look at verse 3. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself. Notice this phrase. Lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Wow. Why would he say in your minds? I'll tell you why. Rarely have I seen Satan just tire a Christian out. He discourages a Christian out. It's usually not our bodies that just give away. That's why we quit serving God. And we do get tired. But it's usually the battlefield of the mind that Satan wins. And I'll tell you why. I think oftentimes in our circles and churches like ours, people stay busy and they're active. And if you're active in a church and you get involved, your body is busy. But where Satan gets the victory is in the mind. And we sometimes will have people doing things in their bodies, but they've already lost the battle in their minds. And before long, you're going to quit. You just will. And it's not because your body gave out, not because you're just so tired. It's because Satan won the battle up here. And so he gives us a three-step process that literally we use our minds to do to keep us from growing weary in our race. Okay, let's pray and ask God to bless us this morning. Lord, we love you. Help our folks, Lord, to gain from this what you would have them to gain. May they apply it to their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me say this. Nowhere in the Bible are we promised <clears throat> that the Christian life was going to be easy. Do you know that? Nowhere were we promised it was good. Now, God did promise He would go through it with us, that He'd never leave us nor forsake us, that He'd give us the grace, and that He would always have enough grace and always have enough mercy, and He would always forgive us. And, and He's always promised, if you draw nigh to me, I'll draw nigh to you. He's given all these promises. But He never promised that it was going to be easy. In fact, I'm not going to read the verse. You want to look it up? John chapter 16, verse 33. He, in fact, He promises it's going to be very different than that. He promises it's going to be difficult. And serving God is difficult. It's not easy. If it was easy, everybody would be doing it. 
but it's hard. It's difficult. Can I may, maybe I can tell you this. Getting saved is the easiest part of the Christian process. No, it was the hardest thing for Jesus to do. He had to give his life. But Jesus has made salvation so simple and so free and so available. It's literally the easiest thing we will ever do. The hard part is just to get people to believe. But salvation is easy. You don't have to earn it. You can't buy it. Salvation is the easy part. But if you get saved and you determine, you know what, because of what Christ has done for me, I want to live for Him. I want to give my life to Him. That's difficult. Seems to be the ideal here in the book of Hebrews. And what's interesting about this book is that in chapter 11, he mentions Christians that were enduring a terrible time of persecution. In fact, Hebrews was written during a time that the church on a whole was going through great tribulation and great persecution. Just to be a believer, just to claim the name of Christ, you face persecution, you face death, uh, you faced all kinds of things. And Hebrews was written right in the middle of this. And it's written by an individual, I believe, named Paul. And I believe that he wrote it because he's an individual that used to persecute Christians. He's the very one that used to do it. Now he's a Christian. Now Christians are being persecuted. And Paul was stoned too, by the way. And he's writing to Christians that were going through great tribulation. Now, can I tell you something I believe with all my heart? And I'm thankful for every person here that's faithful, and I need to be more faithful. But you and I do not suffer persecution right now. You can say, well, the boss isn't very nice to me at work. Well, to compare that with being stoned. You're like, that boss just gives me a headache. Well, how would a nice six-inch boulder do for you? That'd give you a headache too, wouldn't it? Let's be honest, it's not necessarily easy to be a Christian right now, and it's not popular, but it's certainly not, we're not being persecuted here in America. Now, there are people, Christians in other countries right now, that are being killed, that are being slaughtered, that are being imprisoned, just to claim the name of Jesus. We have it very good right now. And yet it seems one of the hardest places to have people stay faithful to God's in America. Because we have it so good and we have it so comfortable. Now, Paul gives us, and there's so many things I want to say more about this, but I believe here that Paul gives a three, well, Paul, the author, excuse me, gives a three-step process of how you and I are supposed to stay faithful. It's, it's a battle in our minds. Number one, he says, number one, that we are supposed to see the saints. He says, in your mind, he says, consider or look at the saints. Look at verse one. Wherefore, notice he says, seeing Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. So he's talking about here seeing. Now, we can't see them physically. But Paul here says, see our great cloud of witnesses. Well, well, wait a minute. How can we see it if we can't see it? It's in our mind. That's what faith is. But you know what faith is? Faith is believing even things you cannot see. That's what the Bible says faith is. That's when we believe in Christ, although we haven't seen Christ physically and we didn't see him die on the cross. We believe the Bible. It takes faith to believe. Even though we haven't seen it, we believe it. And the Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. So we've got to have this. So he says first that we need to see the saints, this cloud of witnesses that are apparently witnessing what is going on right now. Now you say, preacher, what really does that mean? Well, as I dug into it, I found out it doesn't necessarily mean what I always thought it meant. Let me say this, as he begins this chapter, he starts with referring to chapter 11, as I've told you. 
seeing this cloud of witnesses. Who is this cloud of witnesses? It's the individuals he was talking about in chapter 11. And he literally lists these dear saints of God, men of God's word and women of God's word that went through in uh, tremendous uh, endurance and, and discipline and sacrifice and persecution. And they literally stayed faithful to the very end, which is what every one of us ought to want to do. Let me say some things about this. Number one, I want you to see when he's talking about these witnesses, these saints. Number one, I want you to notice they have run their race. They have run their race. All these folks in chapter 11, they ran their race. Now look at me. If they endured what they endured to stay faithful, you and I can too. They ran their race. Listen, as soon as you say, well, I just don't think I can keep on. You look at these folks in chapter 11 and see if you went through half the things they did. And if they can stay faithful, we can too. They have run their race. Now listen to me. They did not run it perfectly. But they ran it. God never said you and I have to run perfect. He just told us to run till we finish. They have run their race. Second thing I want you to notice is they have received their reward. Isn't that encouraging to you to notice that all these folks that followed us and preceded us, and I don't just mean the folks in chapter 11, I mean some of you, it's your own mom, your dad, your grandma, your grandpa, people that were spiritual influences on your life that have, might have already gone on to heaven. You've got to realize that they ran their race, number one, and second, they have already received their reward. Right. You say, how do you know that? You can't see them because the Bible says they do. And I believe the Bible. Yes, Let me tell you something, my mom has received her reward. And the Bible speaks of many crowns that we have earned. And I've really been praying. I talked to my staff um, this, uh, this past week. We're going for a staff uh, planning session for all next year this week. And we're trying to get things organized, get everything lined up. And I talked to them about some suggestions for sermon series for this next year. And I personally have been praying about doing a series on all the crowns that you and I can earn as we serve God. I think it would be motivation to you, and so we might do that. But I'm going to tell you something. I think God came up with a different crown because my mom lived with my dad all those years. <laughs> I think she has one of these huge crowns. It's the same one my wife's going to get one day when she gets to heaven, living with me. Listen, my mom has already received her reward. And I'm going to tell you something. She's in the presence of the Lord. You say, well, you can't see it. You don't know it. Yeah, I do know it. You're not going to convince me anything different because I believe the Bible and the Bible makes it clear. And you know what? That encourages me to want to finish my race because if my dear mom can go through sickness and all the things that she did and literally every, every week of her life lived in a different room, lived in a different room in the church or a motel room, traveled in a van, traveled over three million documented miles just to serve God. If she can do that and finish her course and receive her reward, certainly I could. And sometimes you and I get so focused on our trials that we forget some of the folks in our lives that have finished their race before us. And if they could do it, you can too. Amen. Not only that, number three, they've received the reward. But number three, they have revealed that God is reliable. Now let me tell you something. Every one of these people in chapter 11, the only way they made it is because they prove that God is faithful to them. Look at me, you know how you can be faithful to God? Because you ought to know that God's faithful to you. Amen. Every one of these individuals, because they finished their course, that proves that God is reliable. Now, let me tell you this. I always preached, and I always felt, and, and, and this certainly might be the case, look at me, 
that in verse 1, he says, This great cloud, wherefore, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. I always obviously said, is, you know, is the people in heaven that have gone on to heaven before us, those that have been saved. And, and, you know, that's obviously who we're talking about. But you know what? I believe that is probably the case, but that is not who this verse is referring to. This verse isn't necessarily saying that maybe if your mom died and went to heaven that she's watching you. Now, I believe that certainly might be the case. But that's not what this particular verse is teaching. This verse is saying that all the saints in chapter 11, all that they went through, look at me, they are witnesses. That means this, look at me. It's not that folks before us are in heaven watching us witnessing what we do. These people in chapter 11 were witnesses to the fact that God is faithful. We are compassed about with a great cloud of witnesses. What do you mean witnesses? They are individuals in heaven that are witnesses to the fact that God did what he promised he would do. That ought to encourage us. It's not necessarily, and they probably are watching us and they can see things. And I don't know, I, I, I just, I'm not going to pretend that I know everything. But I just have a feeling that people that have died and gone to heaven, that God allows them to see certain things. I'm sure he does. But this verse is saying that there are witnesses in heaven that are witness to the fact that their entire time on earth, God was faithful to them. God gave mercy when mercy was needed. God gave grace when grace was needed. God paid bills when bills needed pain. God provided health when health was needed. God did what needed to be done. They're witnesses to that fact. It's like if I'm in a court of law and I want to prove that somebody did something, I'm going to provide witnesses. And those witnesses are going to witness to the fact that this person did such and such. And the witnesses he's talking about in verse 1 are these dear saints in chapter 11. And they are all witnesses to the fact that God allowed them through all that they went through. He was faithful and he allowed them to finish their course. You can too. You know why? God is as faithful to you as he is to any of these people in chapter 11. See the saints. They have finished their race. They have received their reward. They have proved that God is reliable. Number two, he gives us the next step. Number two is see self. So we're to see the saints. All right? Look at what he says in verse 1. Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. So look at them. Remember now he tells us to do something. Laying aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, let us run with patience the race that is set before us. So now we move for where he says, let me tell you how you stay faithful. Number one, you see the saints. Number two, you need to see yourself. This is what he says for us to do. This is our job. Number one, he says to lay aside all weights. This one's a toughie. This refers literally to a runner making sure that all extra weights have been removed from his body. Now, I don't, I don't think that they're able to be here this morning. And I might be wrong, I don't know if I see him. But Matt Grandis in our church, he runs marathons. You can look at me and know <laughs> that I do not run marathons. Now, I am now running every day. But it's just to the store and back. But anyway, so you know. <laughs> he runs marathons. Now let me tell you why I don't look like I run marathons. And Matt Grannis looks like he runs marathons. Because he doesn't have extra weight. 
And I'm going to stop right there. That's enough of the, that's enough of the illustration. I look like I do. And you know what? He is going to run a race much faster, much better than I could. If for no other reason, because I have so much extra weight. This is what Paul's talking Look at me. Paul is not saying that you have to lay aside things that are wrong. He said you've got to lay aside things that are weights. In other words, this. There are some things in your life that aren't wrong, but they're keeping you from running the race God wants you to run. It means this, that it's not wrong for you to take trips, but if taking trips keeps you out of God's house so much, that's wrong for you. Not because I'm the boss. I'm not. God says that His house should have the priority. I'm not saying that, you know, golf's wrong or fishing's wrong or none of those things. God forbid. I like all of them. I do. We have, a, we have a couple here this morning that just moved up here from Florida. And, we, and uh, they were talking with Tim Barton about fishing, apparently, something like that. And, man, I was an avid fisher when I, was in, when I lived in Florida. And, and my particular county where I lived has over 1,000 lakes just in that little county. I mean, you, you got anywhere you want to go fishing. And I love it. But look at me. I, I'm here to tell you that fishing, golf, hunting, whatever the case might be, none of those things are wrong in our lives. But if those things keep us from running the race that God wants us to run, then we need to lay them aside. It doesn't mean you can't ever do them. It means that you've got to prioritize things. Does that make sense? And Paul here is saying, you're going to give up if you let too many things weigh you down. Look at me. If there's too many things that keep you out of church too much before long, you're going to lose the desire to come to church. You can blame whatever, you can blame you're sick, you can blame you're hurting, whatever the case you want to be. And some people are, that's not what I'm saying. But when it turns into the fact that you can go do other things and you can go here and you can go there and you can't come to church, dear friend, there's a problem. What it means is that you don't desire to come to church. And why is that? Because things have weighed you down. It could be discouragement, it could be all kinds of things. But I'm here to tell you, you and I will never run our race like God wants us to run our race. And we will never finish the race if we allow ourselves to become too weighed down. I'm right about this, folks. We're not jumping on anybody. I'm just saying, am I not just saying exactly what the Bible said? Lay aside every weight. Notice this. And the sin which doth so easily beset us. What's amazing, he says, weights and sin beset us. That means this, weights aren't wrong, sin is wrong, but both of them stop you. Both of them do the same damage to your life. Even though something might not be a sin, it can do the same damage as a sin. And you've all heard this. You, you all heard. I'm not going to belittle it, but some of you might be new or whatever the case might be. Let me illustrate this way. I, and I used to illustrate. Let's say, I'm, let's say I'm a runner and I'm getting ready to go run the next morning and I've got a big race. And when I line up that next morning, I've got a big overcoat on and a big belt with weights on it. And I got big army boots and I got, you know, things and I'm holding big shoulder pad things and I got weights holding my arm and I'm ready to start this race. Well, I'm not going to do very good and I'm certainly not going to win because I've got too much things weighted down. But if I go out the night before my race and I party and drink and do all this kind of stuff and man, I got a hangover the next morning and I show up at the line and all these runners have gotten their rest and they've eaten right and they're ready to go. And here I've got all this stuff because I've been partying and drinking all night long. I'm not going to run very good either. Why? Well, one is because of sin. The other is because of weights. The weights weren't wrong and they're not sin, but they're going to keep me from running just as much as the sin would. Y'all understand that. So Paul says for you to finish this race, you've got to get rid of the wrong things. And there are some things that aren't wrong you've got to get rid of too, 
because they're stopping your race. That's not fun to hear, is it? Because I'm going to tell you something. I'm the pastor of this church, and I'm telling you right now, I have weights. I'm going to admit it to you. And you hear that, I'm like, oh, Lord. It's convicting just to read it. Don't get the idea I'm up here and I'm preaching to you. Bless God, you need Let me tell you something. I read this and it's like, oh, Lord. You talk about convicted. I think we all have weights. And we all have some sins. You say, pastor, have sins? Yeah, pastor, have sins. We all do. And I don't know about you, I want to finish my race. Because I've seen people that finish it that went through far more than I have. And if they can do it, I can do it. And if God was faithful to them, then, I, then God can be faithful to me. But I'm here to tell you, as much as I want to, if I let sin and wait in my life as much as I want to, I'm not going to finish. Because they'll stop you. So Paul says two things. He says, lay aside the weights. Then he says, lay aside all the sins. So that means first, you've got to run with preparation. You've got to prepare. I've got to lay aside the weights, and I've got to lay aside the sin. That's how you prepare for your race. Second, he says this. Notice, if you would, verse 1, and I love this. He says, lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. Notice this, and let us run with patience. That means this, I've got to run with preparation by laying aside my weights, by laying aside my sins. Number two, I've got to run with patience. Now you say, preacher, what does it mean to run with patience? This is a picture of a runner, listen to me, that is literally settling in for the long haul. It's a runner that realizes, I'm not just going to run part of this race or half of this race. I'm going to finish this race. And, our, and so their mind is set. This is what I'm going to do. And you know what I have told you before? There's something about us human beings. Whatever we decide to do or set our mind to do, we normally do it. We normally do it. There's, you know, you all know I've always my whole life struggled with my weight. I'm not trying to make this personal. But after I my shoulder surgery, then my bicep snapped and I went through therapy. And, I, you know, nobody will know probably the emotional hardship it was on me at the beginning of this year. It was probably the best thing that ever happened to me. And on July the 1st, they took my cast off, and I said, that's it. My mind clicked. I was like, that's it. And three months later, I was down 47 pounds. And I'm down some more now, and I'm going to tell you, this, I'm going to keep going till I gain it all back, but I'm going to keep going. <laughs> now, you look at me. I gave away over 1,000 donuts yeah. Friday night. And I did not eat one while I was on this property. <laughs> that is running with patience. Let me say this. Notice this phrase, and, and this is very important of this whole thing with running with patience. Notice what verse 1 says. Now, now please look at this. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us. You've got to understand that phrase, the race that is set before us, which means this, you and I each, we have a personal race to run. Now let me tell you how you run this race with patience. Number one, you've got to understand. Number one, you've got to understand these things. Now please get this. Number one, you have to realize that we each have our own race to run. I am not running your race, you're not running my race. 
We have our own races to run. And listen, I'm not going to run in your lane and you're not to run in my lane. You're not to tell me how to run my race and I'm not to tell you how to run your race. You know why? Because it's not my race. Now, as a preacher, I can get up here and tell you how God tells us to run our race. But Daniel Hotry doesn't have a whole bunch of say-so to you. That's why people say, you know, you're a little bit different when you get in the pulpit, you know, and, and you get out of the pulpit, and people are like, you're just not, you know, and I still get this just about every week. Somebody will say, they'll be around me finally, and they'll be like, you know, you're not a very judgmental person. I'm like, uh, yeah, no, I'm not. I got my own stuff. But you know what? When I'm in the pulpit, I got to say, this is what God says for us to do. But I'm going to tell you something. I got my own things. You got your things. I'm going to pray for you. You pray for me. We all have our own race to run. Number two, you've got to realize this, that we are not in competition. We are on the same team. Hey, if you're running your race better than I am, bless your heart. But this isn't a competition. As I'm running my race, look at me, folks. I'm not against you. And you should not be against me. And we shouldn't be against each other in the church. And we shouldn't be over here, I'm running my race raising kids, and they're running their race raising kids. And we're over here like, oh, I'm telling you how they raise their kids. <laughs> Boy, I saw that they do this. Let me tell you something. You are damaging and hurting the very people that are trying to get to the same location you are. They're your teammates. We have our own race to run, and you got to understand that we are not in competition. We're on, our same, we're on the same team, folks. Number three, you got to realize this, that our course has been personally and individually designed. Do you know what? The race God has asked you to run has been designed for you. And the race God has asked me to run has been designed for me. And, and the Bible, that's why God says that my yoke is easy and my burden is light because it has been custom made for you. And you know what? I, I still have people sometimes will come up and say, uh, I preach for a pastor up in Delaware. And, and that last night he came, he was talking to people. He said, I don't know how Brother Daniel and Miss Julie, I don't know how they handle. He says, I'm a pastor and the stresses that a pastor has trying to pastor a church. And he said, our church is, you know, a fourth of the size of Kerwin. And he said, I'm trying to, he said, I don't know how they do it with Caden and the therapy and the medicine and the doctor. He said, I don't know how they deal with all that and stay sane. And I'm sitting here thinking, I got people in my church sitting right here. I don't know how they deal with what they go through. I look at what I, we go through, and I don't think it's much with Caden. It's not much at all compared to what I watch some of you go through. But you know why some people look at me and say, I don't know how you do it because that's my race. And that's why I'll look at you and say, I don't know how you do it. And you'll be like, hey, God gives grace because that's your race. It's been designed personally and individually for us. Dear friend, that's why you can be faithful and that's why you can finish your race because God hasn't asked you to run a race that has not made you able to finish. It's been designed for you. Let me say this thirdly, that not only do we have to run with preparation and run with patience, but number three, we have to run with priorities. I want you to notice, look at verse 2. He says this, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. That's our priority. The only way you and I are ever going to finish our race is if we look to Jesus. He has to be, if we look at our race and our circumstances and we look at our troubles and our burdens, we're going to quit and we're going to stop. But if we look unto Jesus, that's our priority. Which brings us up to point number three. See the saints, see yourself. Number three, can you guess it? See the Savior. Notice, if you would, and I love this, look at verse 2. Looking unto Jesus. Remember, he first said, seeing the witnesses. 
Now he says, looking unto Jesus. Well, I can't see Jesus. No, but we can look unto him. We can't look at him, but we can look unto him. You say, preacher, I don't really fully understand that. That's what faith is all about. That's when I get down on my knees and I pray, I believe beyond a shadow of a doubt, God hears what I'm saying. Because his, his word said he does. Notice what he says. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. That means, number one, you have to look and see his race. He is the author and finisher of our faith. So just for a minute, what was the race that he had to run? Now listen to me. He had to run a very hard race. Let me describe it just for a minute. It began in poverty and it ended on a cross. His race, and, and I took one commentary and I thought this was good. His race was a race that led him around a track lined with hatred, bitterness, opposition, and people that desired to see him dead. His was a race that set the perfect example of how a race should be run. His was a race in which he never faltered. He never lost sight of the goal. He never quit running until the goal had been achieved. When you feel like quitting, just look to Jesus and consider the race he ran for you. You see, what ought to keep me faithful in my race is when I see the race that Jesus ran. Thank you for listening today. We hope you received a blessing from our broadcast. The Kirtland Baptist Church is located at 4520 Old Hollow Road in Kernersville, North Carolina. You may also contact us by phone at 336-993-5192 or via the web at kerwinbaptistchurch.com. Enjoy our services live and all our media on our website and church app. Thank you for listening to the Kerwin broadcast today. God bless you.